You're listening to the Integrated Music Teaching Podcast from Top Music. Tune in weekly as we interview music teachers and experts from around the world to explore creative activities and ideas that build learning connections in students. Our integrated music teaching approach will deepen your students' understanding of musical concepts, engage them in critical thinking, improve their reading and performance, foster their curiosity, and prepare them for a lifetime of music making. Hello everyone, Tim Topham here for another episode of the Integrated Music Teaching Podcast. We are up to episode number 345. And as you may have seen from the title, we're actually talking about a new way that you could potentially expand your studio and use up some of those wait list spots if you have them. We're talking about a model of apprenticeship in your music studio. So if that's been something you've considered, perhaps not considered, then make sure you tune in today. This interview is going to be really, really interesting to you. If you don't already have a wait list and you're struggling to find students, then I would encourage you to go and check out our Find Students Fast. It's a free ebook which can give you what we hope is about three to five students in a pretty quick way without spending any money at all, just utilizing your connections in your local community. And you can grab that checklist for free. It's over at topmusic.co slash fast. So I'm really excited to welcome everybody to the start of our new monthly theme for this month, which is business. And we actually haven't covered business this year, I don't think, as a monthly theme. So I'm really excited to do this because, as you know, I'm very passionate about helping all of the music teachers of the world build strong, sustainable businesses where they're running the business and the business isn't running them. They're getting paid what they should be. And as much as we can, we're either outsourcing or we're using technology to reduce our admin, the burden of admin. Uh, which can be a real pain for some people. We've got lots of resources inside our Top Music Pro membership regarding all of the ways that you can do this. Uh, But if you haven't already, one of the simplest and most impactful ways that you can improve the business side of your studio is to make sure that you're not trying to do manual invoicing and you have an online way to automate that process of getting paid. If you're unsure of how to do that and you'd like some help, you can go for free to topmusic.co slash monthly, which is my deep dive into how to change to monthly billing for your lessons. And by monthly, you could do it by blocks of eight weeks, four weeks, a term, a semester, whatever it is that works for you, even a year. But that sheet and that download, which is all totally free, is a great way for you to get started thinking about ways that you can charge automatically for your lessons and remove one huge burden, which is invoicing and chasing up payments and things like that. And of course, the great thing is is that if you do move to uh, an online system and use some software for your billing, most often that software will also allow allow you to organize all of your scheduling and allow students to even change their own lessons if they need to do a lesson swap. It allow you to provide a place where students can enter in their data so that you don't have to do that on a sheet in in a first interview and then type it all into your system. You can just get them to go straight there. So many, so many benefits. And that's just one sort of aspect that we can talk about this month. But today we're talking about a slightly different approach. And some of the things we're going to find out is things like why a perfect teacher for your studio might actually be right under your nose. We're going to find out how Ella, my guest, chose her teachers, how she started them off, how she checked that they were doing okay, uh, why hiring unqualified, in inverted commas, teachers 
has worked out so well for Ella and where you can find teachers in your area and how teachers that you might hire to grow your studio and take on your wait list can actually help you with things like administration as well as doing the teaching. Now, this all started because Ella really wanted to free up her weekends and it's made a huge life-changing difference to her studio and I hope you might be able to take some of these ideas and consider them for your own studio. My guest today, Ella, is an experienced collaborative pianist and educator based in Canberra, Australia. After building 20 years of private teaching experience, Ella now runs a thriving multi-teacher piano studio where she not only teaches but also mentors young piano teachers. Ella's teaching approach is centered around instilling a lifelong love of music for all styles in her students and empowering each individual to reach their full potential. In addition to private teaching, Ella contributes to the tertiary education sector as a vocal and language coach, collaborative pianist, and external examiner for piano at the Australian National University. She also enjoys regular recital work in the broader community in collaboration with vocalists and chamber music ensembles. Welcome to the show, Ella. Well, Ella Lutasari, it's so great to connect with you. Thanks for joining me. No, my pleasure, Tim. Lovely to meet you. So you're a member of ours and uh, we were chatting in um, on one of our chat platforms and you dropped a little nugget of information there the other day saying that you'd hired some teachers recently and changed everything up and stuff. So I wanted to dive into that so that you could potentially share what you've learned with other teachers who might be interested in this as well. But let's take a quick step back. You better tell everyone where you're located and how your studio looks now, and then we'll go back into the past and work out how you got here. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I'm located in Canberra, Australia. I have a studio of close to 60 students, so most of them are taught here at my home in a private studio. I also do a little bit of teaching in schools. So I've now also got two staff teachers, so they're both teenagers, year 11, year 12 at school, and they teach a couple of afternoons a week. Yeah. Fantastic. And um, for those watching the video, the view behind you is clearly of beautiful mountain views and all that kind of stuff. We can't quite see out the window, but it looks lovely. It looks like a really light, beautiful studio. So that's where you do all your teaching? Yeah. So this is my primary studio. We built this house with this in mind and in front of the place so that students aren't walking through your house. And of course, that fell to pieces when I started hiring students and now use a second space out the back as well. Okay, so people do still have to walk through the house. Yeah, but, you know, it's quite nice. They go around the side. We call it the garden studio. Oh, nice, nice. It it looks like it's a beautiful space. You must really enjoy teaching that. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so you've got about 60 students now, uh, and that's all together taught by you or other people, right? Correct. And all the one-on-one lessons? Yes. Yep, great. Okay, so now I want you to take us back to... Earlier days, Ella, when you were first getting started, maybe you didn't have that beautiful studio, it was just you. How are things going then and how did you end up building to the point where you're like, I think I need to hire a teacher? Okay, so if we want to take it all the way back, I grew up in uh, regional New South Wales and there it's very much completed, um, you know, performing ability or teaching ability. So, oh, you finished eighth grade, you can teach. Now, congratulations, here's some students. So I think I was 13, 14 and given... No, <laughs> the responsibility of training these young musicians, no mentorship, no training, nothing. It was terrifying. Wait, but so, in what context was that? Was that at your school um, or something? No, well, I guess to start with, it was like neighbourhood kids. Um, and then by 15, I was teaching at the regional conservatorium. So we just really didn't have 
you know, highly qualified teachers, they'd come for a year or two and then leave. So um, myself and a couple of similar peers, we were kind of it. So like I said, no support, you're given a room and students were sourced for you, but that was kind of the limit of it. This was, sorry, you were 15 when yeah. you were teaching at the um, conservatorium, the regional conservatorium there. So you were teaching beginners, I, I imagine, at that stage. Yeah. With right. no training. With no training. <laughs> wow. I know, you know, so and you know what? That's not that weird because <laughs> so many teachers listening will be like, yeah, I started when I was about 16 or whatever and I didn't have any idea what I was doing. So what did you do? How did you know what to do? Well, I didn't. Back then, I was absolutely clueless. I mean, this is 20 years ago. The internet and the fantastic resources we have now weren't anywhere near what they are. So, you basically just wing it. You you might ask your own teacher a couple of questions, but I was travelling to the town two hours away from my own lessons, so there wasn't really support nearby. So, unsurprisingly, I didn't love it. didn't then really teach all that much like through my own tertiary training I kind of would take on the odd student but it wasn't something I really got into until um I'd probably done eight or nine years of tertiary training in performance myself and come home and went okay now I've got things I can actually contribute pass on and really invested a lot of time in building up those teaching skills myself right so you did um a tertiary degree in performance on piano Ah, uh, yes. So I did my undergraduate here in Canberra and then I moved to Austria to do a master's in vocal accompanying and wow. then London. And then London. Oh, my goodness. What an experience. And we, where were you at in London? Uh, Guildhall. Wow. Oh, my goodness. And your specialty is accompanying vocalists. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I trained um, as not pro repetitor. So now I do quite a bit of vocal coaching and language teaching. Gosh, okay. I'm sorry. Very I'm not, diverse okay. musical life. <laughs> Absolutely. I love this. One of the reasons I love interviewing people is because you learn so much. It's just fascinating. Um, okay, so you've had all this training. You finally get to the point in life where you're like, you know what? I think I could share some of this with people. So you start teaching people at home. Yes. With a bit more confidence, sure. perhaps, than when you were 15. Yes, definitely. <laughs> How, did you find, yeah. <laughs> How did you go about finding those first students? Because obviously, you've done something right over the years with your marketing in order to grow to the point where you do need help. So, how tell, can you remember how you got those first few students and how that grew from oh, there? Yes. So, I guess I didn't expect to come back to Canberra, but, you know, the usual reason people move here, my husband got a job. <laughs> so, um, and I guess I had connections already. I had professional connections because I had trained here. So pretty much all my early work and actually later work has been word of mouth. And so I'm actually the worst person to ask about marketing because I do zero marketing. Wow. You are super lucky. I know. I know. And I think it's partly we're in a bit of a lull with qualified teachers in Canberra at the moment. There just seems to be such a huge supply of students and very limited, oh, sorry, demand for teachers. Right. Okay. And, and not enough teachers at particular quality levels, would you say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so definitely been very fortunate. Yeah, okay. So your numbers have grown and they grew and grew and then you started a wait list, I imagine. Yeah. Stop me when I'm going with this bit wrong. (laughs) So you started a wait list because you're like, okay, I've got too many students now. And so at that point, teachers can then do one of a few things, I guess. They can either go, sorry, that's my cap um, and you just have to wait on my wait list and if I can take you, I will. Or number two, they hire someone else to teach for them 
Or I feel like there's another option as well. I can't think what it is off the top of my head. Yeah, I guess you can start teaching in larger Oh, I'm start like teaching groups. groups. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. That's it. That's the one I was thinking of. So you decided, well, tell me the process that you went through to work out that you did want to hire some other teachers. Well, I I didn't. I assumed this would be something I'd do in decades' time when I've you know, semi-retired, have a bit more time, have a bit more wisdom. And my then 15-year-old student, Matilda, actually asked me if I knew of any teaching opportunities because it was something she really wanted to get into. She was an eighth-grade level player herself. And I couldn't think of any. There's really not much pedagogy happening in Canberra. So I went, well, maybe this is a good chance to try it out. (laughs) She can use my studio on a Saturday morning when I'm around to help out, but I won't necessarily be in lessons with her. Um, So we started having some one-on-one mentoring sessions with just the two of us, just talking about, you know, overarching teaching philosophy and strategies and my approach for, you know, reading and oral skills, various things. Um, When I felt she was ready, we found her a couple of appropriate students and I sat in for probably the first three or four weeks. So she'd come early, go through her lesson plans, and then we'd implement the lesson and I'd help out where needed. And then she picked it up quite quickly and um, very organized. She always knew what she was going to work on with them. Um, We'd have a bit of a debrief at the end about, you know, what went well, what she'd want to change for her lessons the following week. I kind of thought, you know, if she has three students, then this will be worthwhile or at least, you know, break even. (laughs) But yeah, so now she's up to a full morning and I've hired a second student as well. So it's um, worked out better than anticipated. But you've also put a lot of work in. I think perhaps teachers, uh, it would be easy to think, oh, I'll just hire someone who knows what they're doing, someone qualified, and they can just come in and, and take my students. And that's very much not what you did. You really ran an apprenticeship model for this um, girl, Matilda, took you under her wing, coached her for a number of weeks, and then sat in with her for a number of more weeks before you went, okay, I think, I think she's on the right path now. And I imagine you probably still do PD or training or check-ins with her, right? Yeah, she arrives half an hour early just so we can have a chat through what she's planned for the day and then we'll chat for 10 minutes or so at the end. Wow, that's great. And is she using your studio at home when you're – okay, so when she first started, she, she just used it when you didn't need it kind of thing? Yeah, well, I've always tried to have um, some time off on weekends. So she teaches here on a Saturday. And then the second studio has been set up so another teacher can be teaching during the week while I'm also teaching. Great. Okay. But at first it was just taking using your studio in time when you didn't want to teach ideally, right? So for another teacher that might be, I don't really want to teach on a Friday afternoon. Let's find someone that could do that. Yeah, and I think if you had kids, that means you could maybe teach more during the day and then outsource that sort of evening time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you were lucky, I guess, in some ways that you had a, a student who came to you and said, hey, I would, um, this would be kind of cool to do. I wonder for, for teachers who may not have students at that level or showing that interest, have you, now that you've got this experience, have you got any thoughts on if you didn't have a Matilda? Yeah. But you were interested in expanding and using, giving someone else your wait list, where you would find them? That is a good question. Um, I guess my next step, because I am already affiliated with the university here, would be to maybe look at um, pre-tertiary oh, students who are doing their undergraduates and want that extra training. I don't know. I guess the main reason I was happy to go ahead with it is that I knew this student so well. I knew she was mature and responsible and that she'd take it seriously. 
It's probably a lesson in maybe not underestimating our own students sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And and before she said this, had you had it in mind that you would like to hire other teachers? Uh, sorry, uh, you, you said like in many years' time or whatever. You mean to cope with the wait list issue? Yeah, I mean, I had, but I didn't really think I had, say, enough available studio space to warrant taking somebody else on. Like, I wouldn't, I didn't feel I'd be able to offer them a huge amount of time. And I guess, um, I don't know, I didn't, I hadn't really thought past, oh, well, people can just wait on my waiting list when a spot comes up. <laughs> they can either take it or not. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think if she hadn't have prompted me to go down that path, I'm, I really can't say what would have happened. And the problem, of course, with waitlists is that if anyone's on a waitlist for much longer than a month and they are passionate and the parents are passionate about music education, they're going to find another teacher. And that's, uh, that's what I, I say when, when teachers tell me, oh, yeah, I've got a waitlist like two years long or 30 people long or whatever. It's like, well, you probably don't. You might have just the most recent two that are still there. The rest have probably gone on to other things. So that's why I really do want to share this idea of, uh, well, you can even look inside your own studio for teach students who could become teachers that you could mentor. I think it's fantastic. Absolutely. And actually, I mean, I hadn't, it probably wouldn't have occurred to me that I could share this space or create another space. But then when my hand was kind of forced, actually, I've now got a really lovely second option as well. So again, very fortunate that I did have a room I could convert. So they've kind of taken over my rumpus room. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess um, you don't realise what the possibilities are until you go looking for them and try things out. Hi everyone, I wanted to take a moment to let you know about an amazing community of music teachers ready to welcome you over at Top Music Pro. Top Music Pro is the global hub for music teachers looking to connect, learn, grow and be challenged in both their teaching and studio businesses. Community members save time by accessing hundreds of step-by-step -step lesson plans, creative teaching frameworks, business guides, online courses and workshops. We offer training in topics as diverse as music technique, lead sheets, website building, intermediate repertoire, group teaching, and special needs teaching. We also save you money through our extensive discounts, including those with Music Notes, Sheet Music Plus, Music Room, Office Depot, Tonebase, and many more. And if you like sheet music, all our members get a free book of studio licensed, beautifully engraved sheet music each and every month. As a valued podcast listener, you can check out the Top Music Pro community free for 14 days by heading to topmusicpro.com, clicking join now on our studio tier, and using the special coupon code IMTPOD23. That's all one word. So that's IMTPOD23. We can't wait to welcome you inside. Yeah, and one of the other teachers I spoke to, um, Annie uh, Butner-Moore in Perth, she uh, hired, when she hired teachers, she went down to undergraduate university level students and she's had fantastic success with that. But she didn't have the space in her studio. So those students that she hired to be teachers traveled to students' houses and then she would do the same sort of mentoring and coaching thing. It just, she couldn't sort of listen through the door to make sure those first lessons were going okay. Um, so it's a little bit different, but they were also older too. I, I think the way that you've managed this with a 15, 16-year-old student teacher uh, is probably the only way to really be sure that that's going to work well. Number one, you know the student inside out and you've been teaching them for many years, I think. Uh, two, you can keep a really close eye on those first few lessons and really coach them through. What, um, what training, like, did you kind of formalize 
your what you were giving to her? Have you kind of packaged that a little bit so that for the second person you're able to go, okay, I've almost got a bit of a training package now that I can share with the next person? Yeah, to a degree. Um, so it was a little harder with um, Joel, so my year 12 student who's now taken on a few afternoons here uh, because I am teaching at the same time. So I couldn't really sit in, in on his lessons. So we kind of had to rely on the, you know, one-on-one mentoring and the sort of um, half hour leading into his afternoon block of teaching. So I have a lot of online resources that I could share with them straight away. So I've got everything um, set up. My husband's a software developer, which is incredibly useful for setting up file sharing systems. And yeah, so as you can see, a lot of things have worked in my favor. Yeah, a lot of uh, synergies and what serendipity, I think might be the word. Yeah. That's right. So I guess I have like, for example, a lot of already graded repertoire in folders or I have um, uh, like notes I made from Matilda about, you know, general philosophy or how to teach various things, technique, exercises, whatever, are already digitally stored for other other student teachers to better access. But also I've just come up with, and it actually probably has forced me to be a better teacher, like um, sequential learning kind of checklists for each stage of development so that they have an idea about where they can focus um, you know, rhythm activities, for example, what students should be able to do at each level. Yeah, I can imagine it would definitely make you, well, anytime you teach, you become a better teacher. Now, you, you teach piano a lot, so that's, that's one thing, but teaching other teachers, yeah, it really makes you think, what do you, what do, yeah, why do I do this differently or why do I do this at all or <laughs> what is it about my teaching that is special and how can I try and transfer that across? Exactly. With regard to lesson fees, uh, do you are they an employee and then you take the money from the parents? How does all that work? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so I probably charge parents about sixty percent of what my lesson rate is, and then I kind of set the teachers' salaries based on the keyboard association. Here they have recommendations for different levels of experience. So I tried to sort of start with that as a starting point because, I mean, I'm not trying to take advantage of teenagers. I think they've got a valuable skill, so I'm trying to pay them commensurately and then sort of factor in um, workers' compensation and, you know, the professional indemnity insurance you need as a music school and all those extra things on top to um, come up with a lesson price. I guess then also kind of uh, looking at what some of the music schools around here are charging so you're not undercutting or overcutting them as well. So, yeah, that was a bit of a balancing act. I kind of thought if Matilda ends up with three students, then I break even. Right. And yeah. that was my starting point. Yeah. Great. That's a good way to work things out. And then you've got a goal, an initial goal as well that you can then build on. Yeah. What did um, the parents think when you said, oh, you're, well, maybe you didn't say your teacher's 16 years old? Of course I did. No, they were fully forewarned. Um, Actually, most of them were surprisingly accepting of trying the idea out. And this was a year ago we started and all but one of those students are continuing still. So it's obviously worked well and the parents um, actually quite often come and sit in the lessons just like they would in mine. So they're able to support practice at home. And I think probably helps picking teenagers with a degree of maturity and high level communication skills. I think it would be quite challenging if they were the sort who were very shy. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And and jo- did you say Joel was the other student? Great young male male. We need more exactly. You know, oh, he's been in, fantastic in with that teaching. nine to thirteen year old boy range. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I imagine they would really look up to him too. If 
if he's um, got the skills that they want eventually. Yeah. Uh, how long had he been learning with you? Were both of them quite long learners in your studio? Uh, Matilda, only a couple of years. Joel, maybe five, because I only moved back to Canberra in 2017. Yeah. Oh, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if, if the sort of cogs are turning in people's brains as they're listening <laughs> or watching going, oh, do I have a teacher student that could possibly do this? I wonder if they'd be interested. Because I have heard of other teachers uh, in America more so actually when I've interviewed people over there who use students in group classes as a teaching assistant style, style of role. And that can work. That can work really well because they are just assisting they haven't got full sort of control and you're in the room with them, you've gone that other step to go, okay, we're going to train you up and then we're going to sit next to you kind of thing or in the room while you're doing things uh, and then hand it over to you while at the same time continuing that mentoring relationship. I think that's that's going to be super crucial as the students they take on increase in their level of skill too. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And I guess um, now we've got this situation where, I mean, if they get – sort of to intermediate level, then I'll take them on. And it may be that I have students who maybe just want to take things less seriously or just try out piano, for example, and I've got an extra option for them that they can transition to. So in summing up, how would you say this has changed things for you, just being open to this idea of using your offering teaching placements to your students and bringing more students into your studio? Oh, it's been fantastic. Um, I love teaching and mentoring generally, so this has just been an extra skill for me to develop. I think it's really useful just having a, I know they're young and inexperienced, but just a community of teachers where you can discuss things, you can try out ideas on each other, you can um, create resources together. Um, so I now have, Joel also does a few hours of admin a week for me, so it's been able to sort of cover that and have that extra support is amazing. I'm sure most teachers know you spend so much of your time not teaching. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Admin help can be so useful. And that's great to know that, you know, again, we don't have to look to a 30-year-old, 40-year-old person or however old, maybe someone closer to home, friends, family, students could help in your studio admin because that is, that is another element that I often recommend to, to teachers. If you can get some of your admin either in software automated, that's great. Or if you can get some a few hours a week, it can make such a difference. Um, do you use any software in your studio? Yes. Uh, so all the studio management and lesson notes is done through my music staff. So that uh, they've made the transition so easy to a multi-teacher studio as well. Um, like just being able to track, you know, payroll, what lessons are taught, attendance, all of that is just very easy. That's fantastic. And, of course, all our um, Top Music Pro members get their 90-day free My Music Staff <laughs> My Music Staff trial to check, check it out. And I do encourage people to do, to do that because the billing, just the billing alone, automating billing and invoicing and, oh, just makes life so much better. Absolutely. Yep. So it sounds like you've learned a lot from this. It sounds like you've really enjoyed the process, but what have been some of the challenges or what would you say to teachers listening? Oh, just make sure you do... Yes. Um, I guess the extra considerations to start with, um, I was just working as a sole trader. So I guess it's always, you know, getting business or accounting advice on how to set up a business structure to accommodate that. I think you can hire employees just as a sole trader, but I decided to incorporate a company just so I'm whatever direction it ends up going, I'm kind of set up. 
I guess considering things like workers' compensation, and I mentioned earlier having to upgrade from individual to music school indemnity insurance, a few little things like that. Um, even just resources you subscribe to, checking that you've got a studio subscription, not an individual subscription. So things that your teachers are also going to be using. Yeah, so there's some some other costs to consider before you jump in. Yes, yeah. So they were the things that I was thinking, you know, if we have three students, then that's covered. So fortunately with 10, it's more than covered, yeah. Right, okay. And so, how, yeah, how many uh, students are taught by your two teachers now? Uh, I think they've got five or six each. I haven't checked the latest numbers, but yeah. And they can build that up over time. They've got expansion possibilities within the schedule. A little bit of room to expand. Yeah. I think um, busy teenagers and their own schedules is the biggest bottleneck at the moment. (laughs) Yeah, that would be. Well, particularly for Matilda, who's still at school, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, they both are. Yeah. Oh, they're both. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. How old's Joel? Uh, Year 12. Oh, he's in year 12. So that would be even harder, potentially, given all the work he's got to do. Yep. Yeah, okay. But then next year, he'll have lots of time. Well, <laughs> uh, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. As long as he doesn't go on a gap year to some foreign country. Um, would you consider a third teacher down the track or is this just right for you now? I actually have a third one lined up. So another year 11 boy I teach and have been teaching for five years. Um, he's very keen. It's more just a scheduling issue that's sort of holding that one up. Um, I think other than that, I would probably only consider teachers who could teach either at students' homes or at their own home just for space and availability issues. Yeah, that would, that would be a, a, a blockage, I guess, for anyone. Yeah, that's right. We have joked about adding a second story to the house. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. That would, uh, that's getting really serious then. But that's, that's, the, that's the point at which, you know, in all seriousness, you would, you would look at an external studio of some sort, a space. Yeah, yeah. I imagine so. Wow. Okay. Well, anything, any final sort of thoughts, anything we've missed uh, that you'd love to get over to our teachers who might be listening or watching? No, I mean, I think I'm just so grateful that um, it was kind of put on me. Uh, like it was suggested to me. I don't think if it was my own initiative, it would have been something that would have happened for a long time. And I think actually taking the plunge and doing it, it's been such a worthwhile experience. Yeah, fantastic. It sounds like you're learning lots as you go and it's it's only going to help you in the future. It's going to be uh, I'm just I'm just super super excited for you. Wow, Ella, very impressed. Last question. You've been a member for with us for a while. How has the Top Music Pro community teachers resources influenced or or helped you with this change that you've made? Um, it was actually probably mainly listening to stories of other teachers who've done similar things or thought outside the box or been a little bit entrepreneurial that makes you realize actually you don't need to know everything going in. You can work out so much of it as you're progressing through. So I think that's been the main factor. Yeah. What a great. And of course, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say what a great, great summary note. You know, you don't need all the answers. I think you said to get started you just need to get started and then you know community of people can can help help you along the way and give you what you need as you go absolutely well it's been fantastic thank you very much for sharing some time with us and i'm very excited for you and your future and how it's all going to go and look forward to a future check-in my pleasure tim it's been lovely to talk to you So 
So what did you think? Is this something that you could employ in your own studio? Have you got some young students, some teenagers who are showing interest and could maybe become teachers in their own right if you were able to provide them some kind of apprenticeship? I hope you do consider it because not only would this be of immense benefit to you in your own studio, but what an incredible learning experience for those students who can learn and grow under your leadership and, you know, not have to take up a job at McDonald's flipping burgers, let's be honest. If you'd like to find out more and ask questions and contribute to the discussion, then head to our show notes page for this episode, topmusic.co slash episode 345, or you can ask questions wherever you see this podcast on social media, on Facebook, or in our Facebook group. Over on the guitar podcast this week, Michael has episode number 65, which is titled, Should You Teach Your Guitar Students to Read Music? If you'd like to check that out, just search for the Top Music Guitar Podcast wherever you're listening to this show or head over to our show notes page, topmusic.co slash guitar 065. I'm Tim Topham and you've been listening to the Integrated Music Teaching Podcast. It's been a pleasure to be spending this time with you and I will look forward to speaking to you again this time next week. How do you keep up to date with all the latest trends and research into music education? How do you connect with other teachers around the world and make sure your teaching stays fresh and relevant for students of all ages and stages both now and into the future? I created our Top Music Pro membership to be the one-stop shop for music teaching resources, training, support and community and I'd love for you to come and join us inside. With over 40 comprehensive training courses, hundreds of teaching demonstrations and lesson plans, free monthly sheet music, discounts and all the business and pedagogy support you could ever need, Top Music Pro is the community you've been looking for. If you're ready to level up your learning from the podcast and join thousands of other teachers in our global network, head over to topmusicpro.com today. If you enjoy this show and want to hear more of our work, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening today. For links and resources mentioned in this episode, visit us at topmusic.co slash podcast or check out the show notes. I'm Tim Topham and this is the Integrated Music Teaching Podcast, a production of Top Music. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your week ahead and I'll catch you next time.